podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I welcome to another episode of Chelsea Hour. You're joined by me, your, your host, Dave Babs, and I'm joined by two merry, well, not so merry men, I should probably say. Um, first one, first one, first is um, Timson. Timson, how are you doing? I'm good, bro. Well, as good as can be under the circumstances. As good as, as good as can definitely be, man. As good as it can definitely be. And we're also joined by um, a special guest today and one of our one of our writers, um, Jerry. Jerry, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm feeling reactionary and ready to go. Mm, I hear it, I hear it when I hear it. And um, what, what, where else could we start with um, what, what the, the Zenit game? You know, um, we're see, we've been seeing us, you know, of recent, you know, the defence seems to be unwinding, you know. Teams seem to be finding their way through... Um, Give me, give me your thoughts, Jerry, on that on that game specifically. Um, you know, I've been listening to a lot of people talk about our three at the back, right, and uh, how it's the key to our defence. And I think this game is a perfect example um, to show people that listen, putting sticking three defenders in front of goal doesn't doesn't make you a more solid unit. Um, it's the structure around it, um, and in in, in well, by structure I mean the control of possession that we have, and then the control of the opposition with our positioning. So one thing I, I noticed is every time Zenit were getting past our first line, uh, our first press, um, it was just, they were in acres of space and either it just seemed like the press wasn't coordinated. Um, either the front men were going and the team weren't pushing up behind them. Um, I think the commentators uh, a few times picked out a couple of things where Rudiger is central to our press um, and Aspie or whoever plays on that right side as well because when the ball is played in and it beats the press they're aggressive and they, they go straight in and to try and win it back or to challenge the, the opposition player so I think we we struggled um, to, to contain Zenit um, as scary as that sounds uh, but I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know what you guys thought, but maybe the, 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 the structure not being there and people who haven't played in the system as much, they're not as um, indoctrinated to the ways of the system. I feel like maybe our attack maybe benefited a little bit from that. Um, but Because we've been, we've been trying to find a, a consistent attacking um, three or four, but it's just, it's just not worked so far. So I, I thought um, Werner looked sharp. Um, he looked hungry. Um, sitting on the bench would do that to you. Um, Lukaku struggled a little bit, but that's to be expected. 
Um, so going forward, I thought, you know, we looked a bit more lively uh, in the first, like, I'd say 15, 20 minutes. And then Zenit got back into the game, started making regular uh, runs at our goal. Um, and like, we've come away from that 3-3 and it's a, it's a massive disappointment. But for me, I didn't see any issues in that, in that game that I hadn't seen um, throughout the season. I think a lot of people are criticizing Kepa for, for that last shot. Maybe Mendy saves that. Um, and I think Mendy's been making a lot of saves like that. that have been, I, I know we're clean sheets FC, but he's been making a lot of saves like that that have been almost covering for a few, a few shaky performances. Um, while that is the keeper's job, um, I think I think we need we need to reassess. I think Tuchel needs to needs to we're at a point where he needs to identify some of these problems because um, never in football do problems go away on their own volition. You usually have to address them. Um, case in point, uh, all the defensive issues with Lampard. We brought in Tuchel, changed the system. All of all of a sudden, we're great at defending. Um, so you know, I think the Zenit game, we can we can use this game as a okay. Let's draw a line under this game, under our bad form, and let's use the game against Leeds on the weekend, going into this Christmas period to try and work out some of these problems. Because honestly, this period could be our undoing. Mm, no, I feel like I feel like it's very well put together there, you know, especially on, on the Mendy point, you know, because um if I look at the Prem alone, you know, our expected goals against, um, despite you know conceding nine goals, it's only um point three um less than Crystal Palace and only one more than um one more than one less, sorry, than um some Tottenham. So I guess you you kind of kind of also argue that um, you know, Mendy's some overperformance is definitely um helping him to, to bolster our defense. And and not only that, but the importance of players like Rudiger in the counter press, you know, his aggressiveness, you know, he's front footing us to like really um stamp out danger. It is quite important to our system. You can see it in um the likes of Malang Saar, who doesn't really know when to be front footed and when to be laid back. Yeah. And he tends to be quite caught, caught up by that. You can see it in um that the first goal, you know, the offside trap. Yeah, it wasn't really offside trap, but you can see that he was just like, you know, I don't know, yeah. I don't know whether to step out or whether to, to stay in, but yeah, I guess that's a that's a very good point. I'm I'm not something to even think about, but personally, and Tim, so I'm going to come over to you. So, what do you think about that defensively, in terms of our performance yesterday? Ah, oh, I feel like when you're looking at the defenders, you're really picking the best of a terrible bunch. And for me, um, that was probably Malang Saar because Christensen was just always on the back foot. He looked like he just looked like he was out of his depth trying to cover for other defenders. Aspilicueta looked over the hill um, for the first time in quite a while. I was actually shocked at how um, the opposite of his usual solid performances he gave out last week. Um, Malang Saar, we already know about the drop-off between Rudiger's quality at that left centre back position and Malang Saar. So, um, but for me, he 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 won quite a few of his aerial duels. He looked to go in strong in tackles and um, he looked the most solid out of a terrible back three. Um, and as you say, like three centre backs stuck in front of a goalkeeper doesn't necessarily um, equal um, a rigid, miserly defence that we've seen, obviously, with the first choice defence. But um, yeah. I look at the third goal and think maybe M Mendy gets to that because he's probably not doing the whole flapping his hands behind his back 
uh, for momentum before he jumps. But uh, Kepa made some crucial saves. There was one save, particularly when we were two one up. Goalkeeper, the the attacker's gone for a lob, and um, Kepa's got a strong left hand to it. Does Mendy get to that? Who knows? Um, but ultimately, obviously, it wasn't our first choice defence. Um, I've got more issues with the midfield, uh, particularly Ross Barkley um, and the lack of defensive um, defensive cover that that midfield provided, that shaky, um, very slapped together back three as well. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty um, mad goal, you know, in, in the in the moment, you know, it's what a, a goal worth a, a massive not putting not five XG in the ninety fourth minute. And um, for me, what 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 was more worrying about that goal was um was how like happy how how much we were attacking, you know, like, in, in like added time, like considering like that the game was well hopefully um wrapped up, you know, uh, following Werner's goal in the eighty fifth minute. I was kind of hoping that we you know show some um, composure, show some maturity, and just like just some game management to like really just see the game out um i'm i feel like we were, we were trying to get that top spot um and maybe if this was uh last year on the lampard we would have said uh, this is like the naivety of the squad and the manager coming mm. through um but listen listen i'm not i'm not ever going to criticize a, a team for wanting to win yeah um, yeah fair enough but i do feel like I do feel like we have to talk about uh, maybe not now, but we have to talk about uh, Saul because listen, Wait, that guy, I'm not gonna lie, man. I, most guy, people know from me from my host. I, I tend to avoid talking about Saul because that guy is an absolute criminal. Oh my god! god listen, man. he doesn't listen. He doesn't accelerate. He never accelerates. He's always jogging. No wonder him and Alonso are boys. Like it makes it makes so much sense now. I was watching him like. Because I, I listen, when he came, I didn't know, I haven't seen him play much. Um, for me, he's like a, a guy that you, you hear about um, at Flaco. When he signed that seven-year contract, I was like, wow, I don't know what, he, what he's been doing to get that contract. But I've been watching him and I, I don't know whether he just doesn't see it or he doesn't like run. There were so many times where um, Saar would be coming out to press the, um, who was playing on the right wing? Malcolm. Saul would be coming out to press Malcolm and I'd be like, where's Saul? Like, where's Saul? And he's just like literally just ambling back, like relaxed. And it's the exact same thing he does in midfield. He doesn't press. He just kind of runs like and watches the people run past him. And you know, I, I don't get it. I, I don't honestly get it. I don't get what's wrong with him. This is not about training. This is not about adjusting to the intensity of the league. This is just about intensity, desire to get the ball. Um, and listen, get rid of him as soon as possible. Um, and I, I've got a stat for you. Um, so our XG against uh, Zenit was 2.2. That's XG against us. Um, and that's the that's only the second time on the two call that it's been uh, it's been higher than I think two. And the previous game, the previous Liverpool. yeah, it was Liverpool when we were down to 10 men. So for me, this this makeshift defense, um, while it's while while it's 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 been disappointing to watch some of these guys not not take their chances. Um, for me, the the real concern was against West Ham when we, when we had our first first string lineup um, and we still didn't look as solid as 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 probably we should have. I think this was um, one thing I've 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 experienced being a Chelsea fan um, over the years is we seem to have. A, a, 
a, a remarkable susceptibility to people who are on their day. Like if a forward comes up against us and he's like, he's on his day, I remind you of Jefferson Montero against Ivanovic. Um, I think Salah's taken us through the ring a, a couple of times. If a, a for, if a forward turns up and he's on his day, it's always against Chelsea and he always does a, does a madness. But um, one thing I wanted to ask you uh, about, about our team, about our attack is, well, where do we go from here? It's a, it's a tough question. It's a tough question. And um, I think with the attack, that question should have been asked in the summer. You know, we saw already from the previous season you know, how, how devoid of creation we were. And it was, always, and it was obviously, if you were a listener and you're a patron listener, it was something that I'd been screaming out for in terms of getting that creator you know, to really supplement something like a, like a Kai Havertz. For me, that would have been it. Um, I, I think another part of that is um, the question of what project did Tuchel want to go with? Was it what we were ending the season with, having a Kai in the false nine, with another creator there? You know, what, was it that or, well, it looks what it looks like to be now is um, having um, Lukaku up as the focal point. As he, as he actually demanded for, like, towards the end of last season. You know, he spoke about it extensively and he got these man in, in rum and um, he's had to play that role now, even though it doesn't really, you know, suit to the best of quality. Um, for me, the next step now is, like, trying to actually, like, figure out, okay, so who do you want to keep and who do you want to get rid of, you know? Because at the end of the day, a, a, attacks are made by profiles. You know, you're going to need your you're going to need your primary goal scorer. You're going to need your guy you can chip in and, and create, and you're going to need, like, the third guy who's probably, like, you know, creating via dribbling. You know, we've seen that um, in our title winning spells under um, Conte. You know, we had um, Costa, primary goal scorer. We had Pedro, he was chipping in, and we had Hazard, he was, he was contributing with the dribbles, and he was doing both sides of the game. And I feel like that was that's like the perfect attack because there's no over-reliance on one man to score goals. There's a, there is no over-reliance on, on an unsustainable method of getting goals. But it's just like, you know who your goal scorers are. You know who's going to start 30 games at the 38. And if they don't start, you got even William who was coming in. And I think he, he got nine goals, nine assists in that, in that season. He was, like, was like one in three. So uh, seven you know, of them, like seven of them were pens. Like, <laughs> probably, probably. But you know what I mean? Like, you know who's scoring your goals. You know who's creating. You just have, you know, you have to set profile. But if I look at it now, it's like Mount, you know, for, People that I, I love, man. I'm not going to cap and say I, I'm not, I'm not a bit biased. But I, I love the guy, but I don't know if his current rate of goal scoring is sustainable. You know, like I'm not sure if, if and if it is, then it's pretty ridiculous. Because I, what last time I checked, um, in terms of per, per minute, um, in, in the Prem, it's at a rate of two and three. So if two and three, I'm like one and two on assist. So like if he somehow like maintains that, then. That, that is a scary, scary sight to behold. But um, that aside, um, then you look at then at Lukaku, you know, we want him to be that primary goal scorer, but are we creating, are we playing to his strengths, you know? Because we're not a transition team at the end of the day. I know a lot of people want him to play on that right channel, but for me, it doesn't make sense because we don't attack in transitions, you know? We're quite, we're, we're a lot slower in the way we attack than how Inter did via Hakimi and um, Perisic at times. Like, we don't move the board vertically the way they did. So yeah. I'm not sure how that works, you know, in terms of that creativity. I mean, with, go on. Uh, with Lukaku, when we signed him, um, mm-hmm. I was against the signing because I thought to myself, um, what what does he bring um, to, to our way of attacking um, that takes us up from a level, the level we were at last season um, to where we need to be? And for me, with, with the counter-attacking stuff, I did I did consider that for those big Champions League games, when 
Um, for example, if Lukaku played against Real Madrid in that was that, that second leg, um, we would have been out of sight like way before uh, Mount scored that goal. Um, and for those games, he will come in handy. But even even in the, the days of Diego Costa, I, I was so jealous of a striker like Aguero who, in and around the box when teams are sat deep, listen, it doesn't matter because he can find a yard of space. He's got a good shot on him. Um, and listen, while Lukaku can do all these things, it just looks like, I don't, I don't know, it looks like the, the, the player he was at Inter, um, I, don't, I don't think he can replicate that in, in our system. Um, and when we signed him for what, 90, well, let's say 100 million all in, I was thinking to myself, like, surely it'd be better to go after a profile player that can actually have an impact in those games. Um, I do have to admit, after I, I got sucked in after seeing him against Arsenal because I was like, okay, why can't he do this every week? Um, but I feel with our attackers, um, we we're asking the same question about about all of them. Um, they're very uh, they're very uh, what's it called on their day. They they love to rock up on their day, uh, um, and it is frustrating because I mean you talk about the profiles um, that would make our attack almost that's the ideal um set of conditions for our attack to, to to flourish but i mean these guys still should be doing better like in terms of in terms of attacking when people say oh we're a defensive team and you know we don't really have we don't really give the, the attackers opportunities like these guys get the ball so much like if you look at how much they actually get the ball they get a lot it's just none of them take any initiative um you see, like the the goal, the second goal we scored, um, Lukaku's goal. Um, they take the initiative, speed the game up a little bit, pass actually within the the confines of the box, um, rather than just doing the, the 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 easy pass out wide, and like that we're in. Um, and like, I don't understand what what it is with these players. Um, one one thing I've I've really noticed is when the pass forward is on our players always hold on to the ball and then wait for whoever's overlapping on the right or left, whoever our wingbacks are, um, and then get the ball out to them and then try cross it, which I don't, re- I don't really understand. Um, and whenever we go down to, whenever we're trying to get the game back, um, both against West Ham and against Zenit, you're just putting these aimless crosses in. Um, and I'm just like, guys, you, okay, it's like the 10th cross now. You can see this isn't working. Try something else. Um, and I don't know whether that's them not having any invention, whether that's instruction, whether they're just scared to play a penetrative pass. I, honestly, I, I, I don't know what it is, but um, when it, it happens, if you watch us on the counter, it's another perfect example. Um, you'll see the run uh, being made. And usually in the Premier League, you have about three to five seconds to play that pass before it's cut off. Um, they'll watch, you're watching them watch the pass. <laughs> you're watching them watch the defender come across, and then he's like, "Okay, uh, Rich James is free. Let me let me put our wide to him." And I just I, I I don't get it. With a striker like Lukaku, you'd have thought feeding him as quickly um, and as directly as possible would be the way they'd go. But um, I think I think with our with our with our attackers um, after the game, the the reactionary guy in me was like, "Listen, sell all of them, sell them all." Let's, let's get a whole brand new set because listen I, I've done this for a year and a half two years I can't do it anymore man I can't I can't I can't turn on my TV 
uh, with like a 50-50 chance that our, our attackers are going to turn up. And as much as it is like, okay, we need to get these profiles like down, we, we've got a creator, we've got Hudson Adoy, right? We've got goal scorer, we've got Lukaku. We've got what's meant to be a hybrid between them. We've got Kai. So we do have elements of these profiles in our squad, but I don't know whether it's something in the water at Stanford Bridge or whether we just don't train with goals and training. Um, but these guys just make attacking look so hard. We can't keep living like this, man. <laughs> we can't keep living like this, man. Uh, like, honestly... Yeah, I want to get Timson on this. So um, you, you've heard what uh, me and Jerry have just, you know, pointed out um, there in terms of the attack, you know, on my side in terms of the profile of the attack and then Jerry in terms of like um, you know, advancing and, and really like, having a set um, attack, you know, for our team. And I just want to get your thoughts, Timson, on how you feel that could be alleviated. Yeah. Um, first of all, let's just break down what some of the attackers give to you. Pulisic gives you kind of dribbling explosiveness and um, his penetrative runs and his just ability to be in the right place at the right time uh, before those crosses come into the box. You've seen that for club and country, but he's always an outlier because of his injury record. Timo Werner is someone that I've taken issue with because obviously we all know about his goal scoring prowess in Germany. He's come in and um, this was basically a club so a club recommended alternative to Aubameyang. Um, thank goodness we, can, we didn't get him looking at how he's doing for Arsenal. But Timo Werner in specific, he's got great movement off the ball. He works hard, but it's my issues. Obviously, his finishing in front of goal is sometimes lacking. Um, Maybe sometimes the the goal drought and um, thinking too much has got to him. I think a prime example of when he's at his best now is the, his second goal, where he literally didn't have time to think. He just got the ball and he just shifted it and 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 he had a nice little pop shot um, that went underneath the goalkeeper. That's like years and years of practice at academy to at, on on the training ground, like just kind of. Um, converted into muscle memory um but as one of those tens if we're going for two tens behind the front man um for me he he's not an outright winger so he's going to be a liability tracking back and the fact that he's got a distinct inability to beat a man one-on-one is very concerning so my option so then you look at Hudson Adoy for that left 10 role um and obviously the creative numbers last season and the last couple of seasons it showed he's one of our most creative players but because they've the minutes and the, the sample sizes to, that show these creative stats have always been sparse. The data has also suggested he needs more minutes. And when he did get that run, he was absolutely quality. Um, he played really well. He created chances for the team. And okay, so you're thinking that's your creative outlet. Um, let's see what you do with the big man. Obviously, Tuchel said it, if Lukaku's in the squad, then um, he starts. So I don't even want to debate kind of um, anyone else being that, 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 that man leading the line. You've got Mason Mount. Um, his goal-scoring stats are, we know what he gives you off the ball. He works. He's very intelligent. He knows when to be a number 10 and when to be one of the central midfielders. So um, if we're going for a 3-4-3, three, three, we're not outnumbered because he knows when to be a centre midfielder and when to be and when to join the attack as one of the front three. But um, his creative numbers and his, um, and his overall goal threat um, isn't as impressive as you'd like, uh, but and I'm not sure at the moment his work rate mitigates that. 
Then obviously Hakim Ziyech can't beat a man one on one, so he's not literally a true winger, high risk, high re- high high reward kind of player. Um, he's kind of started to find his groove after the shoulder injury. But for me, is he the is he the person that's going to create consistently create chances for Lukaku and other players in the squad as well as Scott be a consistent goal threat? I'm not sure. I quite like Kai Havertz. Um, a lot of people like him leading the line for his fluidity, but if he's not the front man and he's allowed to roam, I, th- I think his ability to find space is um, really good and he could potentially link up with Lukaku and allow Lukaku to drop deep when he's being man-marked or draw defenders out of position by interchanging between being a number 10 and being a, and being that um, false nine or conventional number nine, if you However, you want to however you want to slice it. So my front three would probably be you take the um, the data backed most creative attacker we have, put Lukaku in the player that you've spent ninety seven million on to score you goals, as well as the player who can do a bit of both in terms of chance creation and goal scoring, and you see what we can do. Obviously, it's going to take time to gel um, on in, on match days and obviously on the training ground, but that's probably where I would go um, for the majority of my games going forward. So ju- just to clarify, that's Lukaku up front um, and then Mount and Hudson-Odoi. Nah, it's Lukaku uh, up front, Hudson-Odoi left, um, left 10, and then um, Kai Havertz right 10 in games where um, we don't have to think so much about um, the defensive end um, yeah. because I feel like um, Hudson will do the tracking back, but um, I've still got reservations about Kai because there'll be some games where you might need to interchange Mount and Kai. Um, and obviously, Ziyech going to need minutes as well, but that would be the front three that I'm looking, I, I would like to see going forward for some time. Have we, have we seen that front three yet? No, so we haven't seen our biggest chance creator with our with our our most likely attacker in terms of goals. But I think I think a lot of that's coincided with um, Lukaku's injury, yeah, yeah, and the fact that Cho only got his run because of Lukaku and Timo getting injured. So I guess we could potentially see it um, in in the future, and I guess it's one that we may even see on the weekend um, against Leeds. But against Leeds, I think Van will start. Yeah, yeah, with the Leeds, the press is going to be a very interesting one, you know. In, in that regard. So the, the next part I want to like um cover on guys was um in terms of form. So Tim said, so, you know, you're in the group chat, you know how much I've, I've been banging on about, you know, the fact that see you're gonna go on their 10 game winning run, or are we gonna do the same? You know, and it's kind of like coming a bit um to, to bite me in the ass because we've had that run before, but then since then we haven't really been able to sustain it with the injuries. And then we've got what City or not on beat a run of five games. A little point on being run with four games, and neither of those teams look like they're going to slow down. Um, not do you even think, a little bit, bro. Not do. Do we think we're going to be able to, to sustain this with our current injuries? And if not, how much do you think this current run running during Christmas can affect our title hopes? Was that was that to me or Timson? It was to Timson, but I'm gonna, I'll let you jump in, Jerry, if you want to. Um, listen, I, I'll just say um, on current viewing. I don't think I don't think we've got enough to to go on a run. Um, I think even the run we went on, um, a few of those games, or at least in, on the start of the run, um, it was just being solid and and just getting over the line. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you want me to run you the games? Kind of yeah, good so it was um, the Southampton three one. I don't know if you remember that it was quite tight. Um, yeah. Before before we came back into it, we blitzed them towards the end. Yeah. It was the Brentford one nil. 
where yeah. Mendy absolutely saved us. Absolutely scary performance. Absolutely scary performance. And then it was the Norwich. Yeah, that seven year old. That's it. That was that was when we really turned it on. Yeah. And, and then, then I swear the, the next yeah. game after that, we were we were shaky. We were shaky, but that was a cup game. And then after oh. that, it was um the Newcastle game. But even then, you know, it was a bit, you know, so and so much of the Reese James goal. But yeah, I'm, I'll let you I'll let you carry on on that. Yeah, see, the, even in that, I think there was like two good games. It was right two actually, yes, I remember in that period, there's only two games where I came away actually impressed. I think it was Norwich and uh, Juventus in, in the Champions League. Um, the rest of them, um, it was it was just the structure. It was, I think that's that's the reason why a lot of people had us for the title because it was just it was a machine. Um, we didn't even just play well; just the structure that was um, that was getting us through those games. And I think what you've seen now is how important those those three central midfielders, um, uh, Jorginho, Kante, and Kovacic. Um, you, I think, in the time Tuchel's been here, we've had. Well, at least one of them playing. Um, but without them, I think you're seeing how important they are to the structure. Um, and with the form, I think on current viewing, um, I think I think we'll make a we'll make a challenge. But I don't think we have enough. I, I just don't think we do, um, we do at least uh, um, in the team in its current form. Um, I'm looking at Tuchel to make some changes. Like I said before, problems don't just go away. Um, you have to address them and. I've been I've been waiting for him to 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 show us his genius in in the attacking sense and make a change, but I guess I guess it's not it's easier said than done. Um, so on current view, enough I think we'll, we'll run them close, but um, for, for my money, Liverpool and City, um, they look like the real deal. Yeah, fair enough. And Tim, I'm gonna I'm gonna come over to you. Yeah. Um... City and Liverpool have just um, put up un- ridiculous point tallies um, in their kind of head-to-head competitions for the league the last couple of seasons. Um, they're consistent. They've been in these positions. They've been in slumps. And um, looking at what we've done last season, obviously we've absolutely smashed it, the, the situation where we were last season. But in terms of keeping up with these teams, um, I'm not sure we have the consistency in the face of adversity or whether that be current injuries or um, a bad run of form um, to just kind of, we don't have the knowledge to and experience to get over this hump. I think there's only like two or three players in the squad that have experienced winning the league, let alone the Premier League. So um, that's definitely going to be very, very tough to overcome. So I think maybe next season where with another year under um, our belts, being in the situation as like kind of uh, title challenges would be closer to us. But um, yeah, for now, I think we need to get our head down and grind out as many as many results as possible. Whilst um, we wait on um, our first choice midfield, the likes of Shalaba to come back and see what we can do. Because I think Shalaba was a very big miss as well. He would have been someone who we probably would have played um, in midfield instead of Reese, and Reese could have stayed as a right wing back because he's been creating chances and being such uh, being such a problem for opposition teams there. But as far as our title challenge goes, um, I feel like being within um, five to seven points off the off the eventual winners would be um, would be in, would be a good would be a positive um, outcome of of the season. Yeah, um, I, I, to me, honest, before Chilwell got injured, I thought we could vibe the title with just uh, the wing back magic. But I think 
yeah, I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think, Babs? I was gonna, I was gonna say, um, so do you guys not think you're being a bit reactionary there? Are you, are you guys throwing the towel a little bit early? But do yeah, you, I don't know. Do, man. do you know why I'd say no? You know how they always say, like, after like a tough game, oh, yeah, grinding out results like this is what makes you like a title contender. Like, mm. they were saying that after like the, the third and fourth the game, third like, fourth game yeah. in the league, like, usually that's like for the running, that's what that's where you need to grind out results. Mm. So, um, listen, I think the problem with, with City is. Listen, City are never going to lose three, four games in a row. Neither are Liverpool, so you can't you can't let those teams build up head of steam, um, and, and that's that's the real issue, isn't it? Um, we've lost we've lost ground on them already, um, and I think it puts it puts even more pressure on us in this period of injuries because um, after every game we're going to be checking the, the the league table, seeing if City and, and uh, Liverpool have won. Yeah, it's actually, do you know what? I think maybe I was being a little bit reactionary because I did forget <laughs> about um, the AFCON as well because we need to see what state Liverpool's going to be in when mm. Um, mm. Salah and Mane aren't around um, for however long that could be because that could set them back as well. And City, um, the way Liverpool are just marching on, they're probably, to me at this point in time, scarier than Man City because I always feel like Man City have a result like a Crystal Palace at home uh, kind of slip up away. Um, I feel like they've how, got how, often, how often does that happen, bro? Like, it's, mm. it's it's rare that they put a, it's rare they have a string of bad performances. It will like, happen. I feel like it will happen more often than Liverpool slipping up um, if they have a full strength squad. And the, ne- I mean? the next question is: Do you trust us to be consistent enough to take advantage of that? Not at this current point in time, because I feel like we've got a lot of issues we need to solve um, internally. Right. Even when things weren't going well, I had reservations um, about certain players, certain combinations, certain midfield combinations. And um, it's only taken like one or two injuries to kind of um, bring these concerns I had to the forefront. A fourth, forefront. Um, and then obviously we, we need, we've got a lot of Deadwood, Malang Sar. Um, someone said to me that Sal Niguez is basically a competition winner being at Chelsea right now. He's just, <laughs> he's just absolutely vibes in right now. Honestly, I could do a better job. Malang Sar is someone who looks like, not even seems like, he he genuinely plays and looks like someone who wouldn't have made it through our academy. Do you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of, a, have you seen Nuno Tavares play? Yeah. Yeah, he reminds me of, like, the rawness of Nuno Tavares. Like, that's that's what I see in him. He, he looks like, he looks so raw. He's given me defender version, a defender version of Carlton Cole. Carlton Cole looked like he had all the attributes, like he had the physique, he had the pace, he he, he had like the pedigree coming from Chelsea and that. Um, and all of a sudden, like he goes on loan to Aston Villa for his first big break, scores seven goals all season um, in a 38 game season. Malang Saar is just, he, he's in, he's, he, he's got the manager, he's got the system that suits him. He's got the left foot and yeah, he just looks like, um, he just looks like a B-Tech version of Fikara Tomori. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> one. It's an interesting. And personally for me, um, I wouldn't say we're out of it. Definitely not. I, I, w- I can't ever cut a team out until like that January, J- Dan- that January, February period. Because for me, that's like when I thought we would initially like um, have this um, patch, whereby we would fall off. Not because of injuries, but just, just in terms of like, you know, that's when like teams would have got past that Afcon stage. That's what that's like where you kind of like talk. Okay, this team is like serious. This team isn't, you know, especially about how City and um, Liverpool played. Because you look at last season, 
people were saying United were in it, you know, around December. You look after February, there was like, what, 13, 14 points? It, it was ridiculous. So yeah. that period for me is like always that period where you can say, okay, you know what, this, this team is this team's serious, this team's not. This team doesn't have cup games. This team doesn't have UCL games. I thought that would be the period. But um, for me, most what, what would be most important would be see how like um, Tuchel's able to like find a way around it now because obviously with our attack, we knew our attack wasn't good, but the way Tuchel was able to like um, manipulate, so to speak, was having the, the twin tens, you know, drop in, you know, pull the fullback, pull opposition fullbacks out of the way and leave the space for the wingbacks to score goals. You know, everybody could see it as Chelsea fans, you know. If you couldn't, yeah. fair enough, but it, it was yeah. obvious. And it's not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. And it, it just shows you just how smart tactically, tactically Tuchel is, you know. Yeah. Take advantage of teams. Like, look against um, Leicester, first minute of the game. Um, Cho received the ball. You know, he drops in. And literally, I don't know. No, no, sorry, Cho drops in, sorry. And straight away, Georgina plays a quick um, free kick over the top. And Chill was Chill was open in that space, so it shows you just how how, how smart Tuchel is. But the next question now is, what's Tuchel going to do now? About our wing backs are a tired in Reese James and b injured in Chilwell, and the drop off C, the drop off in the quality between those guys is so massive that you can't necessarily attack in that way. If you get what I mean, so there's going to have to be a way to like get around that now. Yeah, um, I people have been saying um, you shouldn't. I think on the on the on the last post, on the the Sunday podcast, um, on the main pod, um, I think Shemi said something about you shouldn't change like like your your tactics just just because it's, it's not going well. But I think if the system, if if the some parts of the system, um, if they're not working, if if they're not working together as they should, um, maybe maybe we look at a change, um, maybe information, um, maybe we adapt to not maybe conserve energy and become a counter-attacking team for, for this winter period. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where the answers lie, but I am, I am looking at Tuchel um, uh, to, 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 to bring a solution. And I'm looking at the attackers as well. Like, are you, are you guys not embarrassed? Like I'm speaking directly to all the attackers at Chelsea football club right now. Like, are you guys not embarrassed? Like the, our top scorer last season was Jorginho with seven penalties. And you guys are, you've come and you're really, you're really up in the last season. Like, I just, I just, I, I don't understand it, but I think if we can get a decent enough system together, sorry, a decent enough like front three together um, or front two, however we go, I think, I think we should keep it like that because um, jumping from like whoever's on form, um, like I think as much as it's good for like rotation and resting people, it, it I think it, it's clear to see when you look at our attack in City and Liverpool's that the rhythm that they have is just is just not there. Um, so, with this intense pressing um, structure that we had in, in the free at the back, I, I I could understand maybe rotating through the attackers as they were going through a lot of work. I remember I did some analysis um, last last year for an article. I think it was the Leeds game um, or the Fulham game, one of them two. Um, and we just didn't play well because our attackers were burnt out. Um, you could see like they'd get the ball um, after all that pressing, get into the attacking area. And, and if you've played football before, you know, like after you've been on a run of the ball, that last bit of energy to shoot or like to, yep. to have that bit I'm of quality. Right. And everybody just play football, you don't want to yeah. play wing back. <laughs> you don't want to play wing back. Yeah. So that last bit of energy you need to execute that last bit of quality. Maybe that's, maybe that's the issue of our attackers. Um, so 
yeah man it's gonna be interesting to see obviously as a fan you don't like you don't like interesting you want you want a sure thing but it's definitely gonna be an interesting watch this period yeah definitely 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 so in terms of like finding workarounds um tim so do you think there's like a specific method to like getting around it i think something that jerry just mentioned is um what i what i've wanted personally in terms of having a consistent attack and I think it's a bit tough because, as we also mentioned, you know, um, the profiles of the attackers that we have, are they perfect? But I guess having having some form of consistency in a period of uncertainty now, like such as now in the Christmas in the Christmas um, period of football, I think that's what I'd say is probably our like best like form of success that we could probably that we could possibly come out from. I know what you think about that, Timson. Yeah, um, I just want to see familiarity. Um, and make as few deviations as possible, unless it's for tactical reasons, um, say the opposition or injuries, just so we can see a side. We can see players like the Hudson Odoi effect. He got a run of games and he showed his ability and he showed his his value to the team. And within that spell, uh, where Werner and Lukaku was injured, he's regarded as our most uh, creative outlet. And I would like to see a front three kind of given that opportunity two or three games because you never know what's around the corner just to gel and get used to playing with each other and uh, the, the the other players' movements and and and, um, and how they like to receive the ball uh, just so we can breed some level of familiarity because Liverpool, when they won the title, obviously they kept pretty much the same front three and it was almost... Um, and it was just almost instinctive the way they cut through teams and they knew what to do to exploit uh, opposition defences and even yeah. countermeasures for opposition uh, defensive strategies. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, I feel like we have been unlucky in some instances with like injuries and stuff. So we haven't really got to see like, I feel like every time there's been partnerships forming, we've had something or the other. Um, come between them. Um, <clears throat> I, I remember when we first saw the the Ziyech and Werner partnership, um, but that that partnership was just turnover central, really. Um, and then we've had uh, Lukaku, sorry, Havertz and Hartenadoy. They have like a little link up. Um, I think I think I what 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 I want to see what what I, what I agree with from what Timson said is let's let's have a structure in how we're going to attack. Um, not just team pressing, not just team shape. How are we actually going to get to the goal? We need we need variation, um, and then we we tweak it depending on game by game, depending on injuries, depending on to, like to counteract um, opposition uh, strengths and weaknesses. I think that's that's how we need to go because honestly, it just feels like we're chucking dice at the board and <laughs> picking attackers and hoping hoping one of them will will um, will, will will play well. And obviously, with Werner scoring two and getting an assist in midweek, it looks like he's going to start. Um, it looks like Lukaku will probably start as well. Um, and Leeds, Leeds tend to give you a bit of space, so I can see them doing well. So, if the, if they do well and they carry on, um, would you guys be happy with that? Um, Werner Lukaku up top with? Um, no, no, no. Sorry, I'm I'm never going to finish that one. Man. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, 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 not from, look, man. I, I I love effectiveness in football, but. I also like my, my eyes, you know, being yeah. spared, you know, like yeah, I, I, I do agree that at times I think it could work, but I'm not sure if the way we play is like perfect for that in terms of like the car attacking transitions. Because at the end of the day, there's something I said on the, the Sunday podium. When we when we sign players 
and the talent ID, the talent ID, it's not really there. Like mm. we've signed two transition strikers and we don't play in transitions, you know, <laughs> two strikers that works best with like, a, a, like, like with Werner and Paul to the target man and with um, um, Lukaku, a bit of like a hybrid of that in, in Lotaro Martinez. You can transitions, that. yeah. Exactly. So like, I don't know how that part is going to work, you know, in terms of like, because no one's going to really like play the ball into them consistently and fast enough. So like, uh, and, and then when we, when, when we get to like um, a place in the back, like, let's say, like, look at the, um, the second goal, Lukaku goal, right? Where Werner's made a cutback. Um, how many times are we going to see our, um, our, our team have got, well, those two especially in the Premier League for opportunities where they can like show intricate play? And do they have the ability to show that? Like, do they have the ability to like dribble in, in neat and tight spaces? Like, my eyes, my eyes cannot suffer like this. Like, and and I need to see some sort of like neatness in, in the play. And like, I don't know how like effective it's going to be. I think when we're chasing games, it could be because as we yesterday, we, we Tuchel is a bit more willing to throw throw players forward. But I think I, I think with those two, when you're chasing games, for mm. me, um, what tends to happen is they'll go in like. They'll they'll try and like get to the goal and they'll try and like do whatever, but they just they don't have the security in the yeah the technical yeah. security man. So the, the ball just ends up coming back like to us yeah. when, when we're trying to attack. It's scary, man. It's, it's scary. I, I'm not sure because personally, for me, if I see a consistent attack over this period, it, for me, it will just be Mount Rom because he has to play. I personally, like, I wouldn't he have to. He doesn't have to play. Personally, I wouldn't, but he, he doesn't have to play. Okay, it doesn't have to play, but like, and how Tuchel, crazy does it look on Tuchel after demanding this focal point if he just then goes and just, and just chucks it away it, it, into the wind? Like, listen, uh, it, it, I always think with with managers when they get into that mode of oh, listen, I have to play the car could save my job. Like, yeah. if it's not if it's not working, I tell you what's going to save your job: playing Results, well, win, win, yeah. winning games, mate. Like, that's what's going to save your job. Yeah, so I mean, if I look at the teams we're playing, so we're playing what um Leeds, Everton, Wolves, Brentford, Villa, and Brighton. So if you look at um Leeds and uh, what Leeds specifically, you know, they're, they're a team that um presses a lot, you know, they're, they're not very well structured, so you can't get at them attacking wise. Which look at Wolves, Villa, Brentford specifically. Um, you look at the job that Gerard's done in terms of like getting them in, in their structure, just, just stick to a, a one bank of four, having a five in the middle. Which has been weird because they've, they've had like Brendy on the left and they, they just play like they play like five midfielders in the middle. No, sorry, three midfielders. I mean, they got the two up top. So it's like it's very, very well structured. Like they're not allowing gaps in between to like be exploited. So I'm not sure how that works in the way we play. So if I was to, it'd probably be Mount to like try and help help in that regard. Um, Kai up top and then Cho out left wing. I, I'd want that, just do it consistently for a run of games. And I think that could be your best attack. I think Rom could come in and do the job, but I just don't know if we if we play to like the, the best strengths because when we did play the best of him, it was with um it was with this new brand Kovacic, you know. Like I don't yeah. know if people have looked at the stats, but like yeah, I think he's so still he, leading the assists. Yeah, I, I know it's just that no just assists, right? But he's been very deliberate with the way he plays. So like he's dribbling a lot a lot less. Um he's passing forward more more. So what's that's led what's that's led to him is he, he's taken way more through balls. He's already like beaten his um through ball number for last season. And with that, he's created a whole lot more um shot creating actions and a whole lot more goal creating actions as a result of that. Yeah, as man. we saw with, with, with the Lukaku goal for the assist. So like that's been like a key aspect of the way they've played. So like and then again, I'm not sure how we're gonna get the best out of Lukaku. So like 
Because if you put them in this focal point, is it gonna work? You know. See all all that stuff is, is that not just instruction? Like because yeah, agreed, if, if agreed, you if you agreed. if you look at if you look at someone like Leeds, like this is why I'm I'm I don't want to say it, but I'm kind of looking at too cool funny because mm. if if you look at the the uh, playing the opposition like Leeds, like the the way to get at them is you need to play early, you need to get in behind them early because honestly that's that's the way to get behind any any press any pressing team. You need to beat the press and they need to engage their back four early, like because. Like that that pass he made for um Lukaku that Kovacic made for Lukaku um that surely like we have enough technical quality in, in our team to execute that pass like it's not it's not crazy difficult and mm, I feel like I a lot of time a, a lot of the time do, when we do you think that that's that's the because my my thing is right <laughs> and I I've I, st- I, I used to I used to do it as well when I, in terms of like the instruction but then sometimes I just got to take what a player is because. So, so I, I I I want uh, this guy to play that front that front quick just just quick inside the pass. Like, is that really some of these guys' games? I w- you know what? I would have said no, but when I mm. saw the change in in Kovacic, yeah. yeah, 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 and also right. just just in general, like some players look completely different from one manager to the next. Um, and I just think I remember when Tuchel came at first, he he was impressing on our players like be patient. I think a lot of the stuff he was saying was like be patient, don't rush. Uh, relax and I wonder if it's if it's him like um, maybe saying um, prioritize possession um, but I think as you, you yourself as a player when you see the option in front of you I, I feel like you need to know when to when to speed it up when to slow it down um, and listen I, I would love to ask him these questions rather than journalists asking about like just random things in press conferences because um, like Bro, when, when, oh when, when, when I can, can we just listen because when I Obviously, for when you write articles, um, you want to take the manager's side because a lot of the time you're you're putting your opinions out there and you're like, um, am, am I right? Am I wrong? Like, have I have I seen this the right way? Um, and Tuchel is quite a good person to listen to because he'll tell you exactly what he's thinking, um, exactly what you try to do. So it makes it very very um, very easy to do analysis. But these journalists, like, is is there like a body we can complain to or something? Because we need to get a lot of these men out of here because. All, all they ask about is like our like current events and like um, what's going on. Do you guys not watch? Do you know what? I think they don't watch the games. They must not watch the games because if they did, they'd have the same questions we do. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy because like since, since he's come in, you know, he's done a smashing job defensively, but attacking wise, um, it's, it's, it seems though it's always been a way of like um finding ways to work around rather than directly sorting it yeah, yeah. so I, I guess it's definitely something that I, I personally I, I've, yeah, I've wanted to, to be asked and clearly hope that you know hopefully you know soon come one of us could be asking Tuka that kind of question but yeah um, yeah I, I mean that, that I was I was interested so I want to get you guys' thoughts on, a, on, on the next part of the show in terms of the form guys so how big of a loss do, do you guys think um, the Zenit draw is to our UCL um, defence because obviously you know Ray and Champions and that and um, how big of a loss is our current um, Premier League form to our um, title hopes? Because obviously, I know you guys just said that you, you don't think we'll be um, favourites, but obviously, we'll still be contending. Like, do you think this form is um, indicative of our chances in the title, or do you think it's something that's separate to your initial thoughts on, on, on our um, title hopes? We're going to come over to you, Tim, on, on that one. Um, in regards to our UCL title hopes, I'm kind of like, 
it's not the end of the world because let's say very worst case scenario, we beat Bayern Munich. If Tuchel has his first 11 and all key players available, would anyone be be massively shocked if over two legs he pulls off a tactical masterclass and we beat Bayern Munich? Um, I personally wouldn't. Um, and that's if. If we get Real Madrid, I feel like Real Madrid are improving, but they're not as good. Um, they're still not the Real Madrid that um, their name would suggest they are. Um, obviously, Ajax would be the next biggest problem. I think um, Sebastian Haller would have a problem um, getting scoring as freely um, against our back three. Uh, Anthony wouldn't have the same joy. Um, actually, he might have the same joy against Marcus Alonso, to be fair. So we might have to put someone else next to him. Uh, but Rudiger, Rudiger's there, there like either way. Um, and then Lille. Um, they're they're just they're just a problem in the league for themselves at the moment, and they would be the ideal so that would be the ideal choice. But um, I don't think it's the end of the world in regards to our title challenge, um, our title defense. As for the league, there's a lot that there's a lot that needs to happen um, for us to kind of for me to feel very confident. We need to get some consistency um, in terms of performances. Um, not just like results, I mean like the actual performances. I need to see to, to go back to the rigid the, the rigidness in defense that we saw, as well as a new a newfound fluidity and chemistry in attack, as well as um teams kind of the opposition teams kind of um having a few having a few slip-ups themselves um and not showing the consistency that they're showing at the moment. Liverpool, I think that's possible with the AFCON. Uh Man City, who knows? Um I I don't see them having a wobble anytime soon. Mm, I never never think that's fair enough. And um and um Jeremy, I'm gonna come over to you. What what do you think about that? Do you do you think um the form in the Premier League is an indicative or do you think we could possibly see a turnaround in the Christmas period d- despite the injuries? Um Listen, I'm hoping for a turnaround, but I just can't see where it would come from. Um, maybe Lukaku and Werner like push on from from the their goals in the Zenit game and and go on a run, but um, like past evidence tells me that that's not very likely. Um, I am quite interested to see. Like, I I really want to know what what Afcon is going to do to not just us, but but Liverpool um, and. I'm kind of. I, I, I thought. Excuse me, but I thought Afcon got moved to the, the summer. I don't know why it's back. Maybe that was just for COVID. But um, yeah, in, in the UCL, listen. I I think it's too early. I think a lot of teams last year would have loved to face us when the draw was made. Um, I don't know if you remember initially when, when we got drawn Atletico. They were flying top of the league, um, and it looked like. We were definitely going out, but listen, a lot can change between now and when is it February that we resume Champions League? So, yeah, February. Um, yeah, I think I think a lot can change. Um, I think, yeah, I think maybe let's wait till the draw and let's wait till we actually see who we're playing and what state we're both in nearer to the time. But with the league, um, listen, it's not over yet. It's definitely not over. Um, but we just need to get through this like tough period and actually start playing like title contenders again to be seen as title contenders. Because, listen, the debate around football is is endless. It's 24-7. So you need to you need to show us that you're, you're, you're title contenders because no one ever won a title by surprise. So, or well, maybe Leicester. But even then, they were playing well the whole season. So, 
yeah, I think I think it's not over yet, but mm. I think we need to do a lot. We need to they the players need to show us a lot more. Agreed. I think. For sure, for sure. I think that's the key part you just said of players, especially because at times, you know, it, it, it's been as though, you know, so Mendy, you know, he he's carried us in a couple of games, and the other times it's like of the defense, they carried us a couple of games. The midfield has really shown up in a couple of games, and then Ramazan it like once or twice, you know, obviously in the, the villa game. But I just don't think we've had that sustained period of games where like we looked at our attacking and be like, wow, like these guys are blowing the opposition apart now. And as bad as our defense has been the attack is just winning us games, you know? So I, I feel like that's definitely something that I'd, I'd hope to see, you know, in, in this running of games, because um, obviously with the way Everton leads, um, th- these guys, they've been, they've been, they've been opening it up, you know, <laughs> conceding goals. Like, I, I feel like that's like the, it's a perfect opportunity to play those kind of teams, like get some confidence, because with them leads, not having Calvin Phillips, you know, Bamford, et cetera, and, 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 and the likes of, you know, missing out on, on games. For me, it's just a perfect opportunity to like really like, have the attack, you know, go for it, really set your imprint and just have like a consistent attacking them outlay, you know, to really go go through in terms of the game. So um, the next part I want to I, I come over to you was, um, we, we mentioned the injuries, but one injury that, um, one injury that we, we, we all, we all kind of like, we were obviously worried about it. And um, I guess with the 4-0 win, it was kind of like overlooked was the Chilwell injury, you know? The fact that it seems to be an ACL, we, we don't, we're not sure what way, whether it's a tear, a fracture, whatever it is. I'm not a doctor. I couldn't tell you anything about it. But it doesn't, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to come back in January. And even if he does, like, will he be the same player? You know, how long will it take for him to, like, fully get back fit again? Will he have to have surgery? So what are options at left wing back? Because obviously we've seen Saul, Saul there and he's definitely worse than Alonso. We've seen Alonso there and then it's like, the drop-off in Chilwa is, is gargantuan. And then, not only that, but you look at right wing-back, you know, we, we we look at Aspie, you know, the legs are definitely going, you know. Like, <laughs> it's definitely something that we, we need to be, like, look, looking at. And um, we don't want to play Cho there because, obviously, I don't think that's his team. You, you, you kind of told from yesterday, like, he's, he's not on it. He's not on it anymore. Like, yeah, you know, I was happy to learn, you know, do all this thing, but you know what? I'm not trying to play there anymore. So, like, what do you guys think of options, not just a left wing back, but a wing back in general? Like, do you think it'll be um calling back a Matson, you know, from the championship, or do you think it's um going into the, the transfer window and um strengthening strengthening that regard? So I'm gonna come over to you, Tim, on, on that one. All right, cool. Um let's look at right wing back because that's probably the most underlying issue. Um Aspilicueta is actually scary, the drop-off all of a sudden, because at the start of the season he looked like he could go for another contract um, another year just casually. But at the moment, he just looks so over the hill. It's unreal. Obviously, if Reese James gets injured and he has had one or two niggles this season, um, it could be very, very problematic. hudson Adoy, he could do a job there, but defensively, he's a liability. We saw how Mikel Antonio bullied him when he um, went left wing back. Um, and we don't need to see that, to be honest. Especially if it's going to be a if it's going to be a Aspilicueta, um behind him, or that would be more likely to be a Christian or a Trevor Chalobah when he's fit. Um, 
yeah i'm not really sure what the, I'm, I'm not really sure what the issue would be uh what the what we do i think extreme circumstances i know shalabar could um deputize there but we're not going to get the same productivity as you would expect um but that's someone who could that's a body who could who could perform that role if needed be on them under the most tight of um situations left wing back is probably the biggest issue realistically speaking chelsea aren't really going to call ian martson back um, especially if we're gonna, um, especially if um, Ben Chilwell comes back and um, he does get into the form, um, because he's 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 just gonna go back to being third choice. Um, ideally, I would like us to call back Emerson, um, just because where he's an asset that is not gonna get any better with um, more minutes. It's more about. Um, his transfer value at this point um, and to be honest his transfer value would probably be better served being in the Chelsea squad uh, deputising for Chilwell whilst he's injured I don't see us recalling anyone um, we've also got Aspilicueta who could play there we've seen Hudson-Odoi do it under stricter circumstances Tuchel might be forced to play him there again but uh, Aspi and Hudson I'd rather avoid playing them there so I'd rather go with um, recalling Emerson potentially instead of buying a whole new centre-back, uh, a whole new left wing-back potentially. Alonso, in the bigger games, he needs to have someone solid there, ideally Rudiger, um, but I just don't trust him anymore. I feel like once the World Cup comes in, I feel like it wouldn't shock me if Ian Martin did a shallow in terms of taking his opportunities whilst um, the senior players are aware international duty and um, extended holidays and just kind of impressing Tuchel to the point where he competes with Alonso as second choice left back behind Chilwell for the following season. Um, but I think his development and Chelsea are prioritising his development um, will be best served staying at Coventry where he's starting every, where he's starting in that same position and playing um and playing every week in, week out. So um, also an, an option people don't talk about as much, Harvey Vell could potentially play left wing back. That would be one hell of a baptism of fire, but um, that's also an option. But going forward, probably we'll make do with, um, till the end, till January at the very least, with um, Alonso or Hudson-Odoi or Asby um, kind of splitting the shifts and then we see they'll assess Chilwell and make a decision accordingly when the January transfer window opens, I think. Mm, that's very, that's a very fair point. Um, Jerry, I'm going to come over to you. What, what, so what do you think about the, the wing backham situation? Um, first of all, I think... I think letting it get to the stage where we are relying on Marcus Alonso, I think every season we just don't learn a lesson, do we? Um, <laughs> um I know Chilwell was brought in to be the number one, but I think he, as a backup, if we if we actually have to rely on him, he's good for like a few games, but usually he can't sustain like a period like of like consistency. It seems. I mean, he did it in that seventeen eighteen season when we won the league, but since then it's just been up and down. Um, he played really well, scored some goals, but then he's absolutely shocking the next game. I just, I don't understand how he does it personally. Um, so listen, he's, he's okay. I think he's okay there for now. Um, but like Tuchel said, he can't play every game. So uh, I think recording Emerson does seem like the best course of action. I don't know what, I don't know how he's doing. Um, where is he? Uh, Lille or Leon? Is that Leon? He's having quite a solid season at Leon, you know. 
it looks like they may possibly take that buy option. So that, that's why for me, um, as nice as it is, do you want to risk, you know, losing that potential, what, 20 on million rather than potentially going to the transfer market or do you want to recall him? You know, it's a bit of a, it's an interesting option, I guess. So the transfer market this time of year, who, who are you looking mm, at? It's yeah, tough, isn't it? How, yeah. yeah. Um, with uh, Aspilicueta, um, listen, I, after that, that famous, um, what was that? Was it two years ago where he looked absolutely finished and everyone was writing him off? Listen, he bounced back from that. Even last season, um, uh, first season when Reece James was coming in, he looked finished and then he fought his way back. Last season, uh, uh, at a certain point, I was like, yeah, this guy's done. Listen, I'm, I'm, I've learned my lesson. I'm, I'm not writing him off. I just think when you come in out of the cold um, at that age, you need a couple games to get to get back up Definitely. to speed. Yeah, so. And then you look at him, even if you look at him, he's run a game. I don't think he's, he played a game for that since the since the Watford game. And even then, before that, it was, he didn't, hadn't started or played since the Brentford game. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, I, it shows you what, exactly what you just said. It's just like, you know, getting into it and, and playing consistently. Yeah. So, and he wasn't even the worst in that, in that back three yesterday. So, um, so I think, I think let's, let's monitor him um, and, and see. Um in terms of Reese James, obviously he had a, he had a little bit of a knock um, and also fatigue as well. <sighs> what alternatives do we have? Um, listen, I think when when uh, Tuchel first came in, you could see in the way Cho was playing that position. He he was trying to impress. He was he was he was um, he was very active on that right side, and we were getting the ball out to him a lot more um, than we seem to now when he plays there, but. I feel like he's 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 been like oh you know I played that position too well like I, I could I could end up being stuck here so I think he's not he's not really feeling that position like that but here's an option um, I do feel like when he plays there it needs to be a bit he needs to go around the outside a bit more because um, yesterday he was he kept on coming inside and. After about the, the second or third time he did it, they just kept, they read it and just kept on, um, well, they didn't always take the ball off him, but they were there a second or two before, um, quicker in the challenge. So I think when he does play there, he needs to, he needs to vary his play. Um, he does like to come inside. I think one of the, one of the strengths of wing back is, is obviously the width that offers. Um, with, with Chalabar playing there, I'm not going to, I don't see that. Um, Christensen, I don't, I don't want to see that either. So, listen, we might have to, we might have to dip into the market, but listen, I'm not really seeing the options. Um, I would say, um, honestly, quite honestly, let's just let the season go. To be honest with you, because um, I felt like we're not quite there yet. Because Pep came in and he built his squad over a period of time. Um, Klopp came in and he built a squad over a period of time. I think we're because of the success he's had last year. I think we're forgetting that this is a makeshift solution that he implemented after what planning it on a flight for, for a flight into London, and it worked so well that we we stuck with it. But because of the nature of our squad, it means um, when people start to get injured, and we're, we're looking at backups. Um, Obviously, not all not all the players in the squad are suited for it. Um, so I think, listen, this 
I, I think we 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 go through it with um Alonso and, and Reese James in this period. Um and then we have Aspilicueta and Hudson Doys back up. I don't think they'll go into the market. I think I think they'll keep those those four as our options. Um yeah. And yeah. I don't I don't think we'll be recalling Martin or, or Emerson. Yeah, it will, it will definitely be an interesting one. It will definitely, definitely be interesting because, you, as you just said, you know, in terms of, like, recalling the players, you know, will it happen, you know? Do you want to risk the development on, on one end? And to what avail are you, are you really doing it? And I guess it's, it's, a, it's a tough one because in terms of, like, how... Because of how rigid we are in terms of our system, you know, who who can fill in those kind of roles? Like, we do we have players dynamic enough to do it? And I guess that's really why... Um, Tuka wanted that right-sided play, right-sided player, um, similar to Hakimi to um, fulfill that role. Can and I imagine? guess, can yeah. you imagine if we got him in? I know, I know, and I guess you can also imagine like if we also had like uh, maybe even like even before him. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, we were linked to Spinazzola before we got that injury. So yeah. like, imagine what could happen there. But I, I guess it's a, it's one that too is definitely gonna have to um come to terms with in terms of like actually like answering that question and figuring out what are we actually gonna do there um in, in terms of going forward. So um. In terms of the next aspect I wanted to cover was um, contracts. You know, mm. contracts. Like, what the hell is going on at, at Stamford <laughs> Bridge? You know, we, yeah. we, 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 we give Marina a lot of praise and give the club a lot of praise in terms of smart business. You know, make sure players are getting contract renewed. Um, you know, we're sending players on at the right time. And then you look at it now, um, it looks like the failure to nail down Christensen and Rudiger in 2018 is coming back to bite us. And, Rather than, for me personally, I don't think that's that's just simply the case because at the time then, you know, it didn't seem as though they'd be the centre-backs who wanted to, like, um, you know, really, like, put our, our focus behind. So I'm going to come over to you guys, you know, is this a failing on the club marina or do you think there's there's more than meets the eye? I'm going to come over to you, Tim, on this one. Yeah, cool. Let's look at the Christensen one first because that's probably the one that's, Rudiger's one's been quite straightforward throughout. The way I've read it and the way I understand it, he wants about 140k, which is um, still not one of the highest earnings. You're looking at Lukaku, who's the highest earner, earning 300k. Apparently, uh, Kante's up there with 290. So for a defender, Rom is chopping, fam. Rom is chopping. Since he came London, he's chopping. Rom's enjoying. So. it's almost like, um, and the disparity is almost what kind of caused the original Galacticos to collapse, um, kind of thing, disparity. So like back in the day, um, Real Madrid would pair um, the David Beckham, your Zidane's and Ronaldo's originals on um, what was back then big money on 95, 85 to 90,000 a week. And with an academy prospect good enough for the first team, like a Pavon, um, you could play him very little. So they'd both be in the squad week in, week out, but one would be paying 20K. So there's a similar kind of disparity between the defenders and the, and the attackers in the first team. So 140K um, is kind of steep for a defender, but in the grand scheme of um, the squad, squad wages, it's not a lot. So it seemed like they kind of agreed and compromised on the price range. Um, the second stumbling block was the length of the contract. Christensen's in his mid-20s and he was asking for a um, 
Chelsea wanted initially a five-year deal, um, but with the wages that they'd agreed on. But Christensen said, I only want to do three years because he wants that ability to leverage more money because he comes in, say he comes out of that five-year deal and he's 30, his kind of bargaining power is you're not going to improve, you're not um, potentially young, you're only, the only thing ahead of you is the other side of the hill. Um, so at 28, he can still negotiate and um, look to get more money on on top of that contract. Um, but Chelsea then kind of agreed, all right, we'll give you the three-year deal. And, uh, we're happy to negotiate in between. Then um, that suddenly changed and Christensen's camp has decided that um, they want the security of actually an extra year deal. Um, so they do the four years. And then um, it seems like everything's all tank set up and then all of a sudden he's now reneged on that. So he's moved the goalpost on two separate occasions, which is what's led to kind of the frustrations, which um, in fact influenced him being dropped. Now, that's nothing the club can foresee. If a player wants to be difficult, a player is being difficult, uh, whether it's him, his, 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 his team, um, they've kind of agreed on separate occasions and the, and the player keeps changing. There's nothing the club can do about that, I don't, I don't feel. With the Rudiger situation, and one of the reasons why Christensen got a lot more stick than Rudiger, is um, Christ- Rudiger is in his late 20s and he's looking for one big payday um, for, to last him the, the majority of his time out after football. So he's looking at 200k a week and he'll get that as a free agent but ideally he'd stay at Chelsea where he's kind of loved, he's happy in a system. Um, but that 200k a week would give would would make him um a bigger earner than Virgil van Dyke, who is still, in my opinion, the best centre back in the world on his day. Does he deserve 200k a week? Um, if Virgil van Dyke isn't getting 200k a week, in my opinion, no. Especially when everything that we've seen about this Rudiger that we now know and love is dependent on a back three system. And that back three system is not permanent. It's not set in stone that we're going to play that in um, two or three years' time if Tuchel's not going to be there, particularly as well. So imagine giving that person 200k a week and they go back to the performances that we saw under Lampard getting bullied at West Ham by Mikel Antonio. That would be terrible and it would be almost impossible for him to shift because he's signed a contract. He's not going anywhere unless you can find someone to take him and pay him that money. And if he's paying so if he's playing so poorly, it's going to be even harder to shift. So I will not put the blame on um, the club for the Christensen situation. With the Rudiger situation, it's been the line has been drawn, and Chelsea aren't willing to match that. It's looking like a Real Madrid or a Bayern Munich are willing to match it, and I'm looking forward to the moment where one of those teams who play a back four pair him in a back four, give him that money, and there's a discrepancy in the performances that made them pay him because the system is different. So um, I, I'm I'm kind of in favour of the club in regards to we don't feel you're worth this much, even though you're integral to the team at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, Jerry, what do you think about that? I don't even really have to say much because Tim's hit the nail on the head. Um, uh, with, with Rudiger, uh, I, I am I am one of those people who are waiting to see you know this this feels like you know those things that happen in football where as a fan you're sitting back and something happens you're like mm, I don't think that's a good move you know um, and then everyone like all the pundits are like uh, all the football media are like yeah this is great this is fantastic so you start to doubt yourself and then you see it play out and you're like ah you know what I was right um, 
listen, Rudy going to back four. Listen, it's not, it's not, it's not more than what 18, 18 months ago he was doing absolutely scary things um, at, the, at the center of our defense. So for me, listen, if Rudiger could go from um, someone who looks absolutely brazy in the back four to uh, a linchpin of our, our back three, uh, what's stopping any other centre back we buy from from doing that? I think I think while these guys have done well for us, if they don't want to play here. If, if, if you're not going to sign the terms of the contracts that we feel is good, listen, at the end of the day, we're not, we're not married. We're not tied to any player and we can move on and, and, and we have the funds to, to, to sign, sign other players. I feel like when you get, when you get tied into the idea of keeping a player, I feel like that's where you make decisions from, a, from, from the wrong, from the wrong standpoint. Um, for example, Harry Kane and Spurs, Arsenal and Aubameyang. Um, sometimes, sometimes it's time to let the player go. Um, with Christensen, um, I, I, I want him to sign that contract. I, I want him to stay, but at the same time, <laughs> you, you, if it was me and we've agreed a contract and then you you back out and then we agree a contract and then you back out again, like oh, I'm not coming back to the table. I'm sorry, like that's that's negotiating in bad faith. So. I don't know what's going on with his representatives. I don't know why they want, well, I can, I can see why they'd want three years, um, but I feel like you should have sorted that out between yourself before you went to the club um, and agreed a contract. So I don't really know what's going on there, but listen, these guys, uh, there's, there's, there's lots of good centre-backs out there. I'm, I'm not really that worried about this one. Um, I think if they sign, they sign. If they don't, um, we go buy someone else. I don't think it's as as big a deal as everyone is making it out to seem. I think yeah. it's just because we're watching their replacements do 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 scary things. That's that's the yeah. only reason. I guess. I guess. I guess. I guess. So I think with the Rudiger one, um, for me, I think the only part why I disagree is just how imperious it's been over the last twelve months in terms of form. Twelve and months as like, opposed to five years, bro. I get you, but let me just finish. Let me just finish. My thing is right when when you sign a player, especially to replace one. You don't just doing it for quality, you you got to replace form, you know. Like look at look at the form that Hazard left us on. Like the, those those last ten games, you remember the West Ham game, the the, the way he was tearing through teams single handedly on a one man mission to get us top four and that title. Like and then to sign him, never like obviously you know we had had whatever signs we had during the transfer um ban, and then we always make the signs in the next period, but then. The Sanders replaced with it, 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 it didn't make half the impact, you know, off, off the back of his form. It was the impact on us. So like, they weren't anywhere near the same profile or quality of player. True, 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 even, I guess. Even, true. Hazard, when we signed him all those years ago, is better than every single one of our attackers now. Facts. facts. So it's, it's, it's different. It's different. Mm. It's it just, is different. It's different. But, but, but my overall argument is just the fact that how do you replace form, you know, like, what what centre back we're going to replace that's going to come in in and around the same form, same quality, and just like excel? Um, I don't think it's it's out of the realms. I think it can be done, and I think a lot of it's going to be down to the scouting because we've seen that what this team has done, what this what this scouting of network has done in terms of scouting, like getting man like Saul because they don't think a guy, certain guys are ready to like step into the Chelsea. But it's like, do I trust them to replace guys? You know, like, do you get what I mean? Like, do yeah, I trust them to yeah, replace yeah. two centre backs? Yeah, man. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, it feels like there's so much um, room for error, you know. And 
again, what you said in the contract, you know, hey man, fool me one time, shame on you, man. I mean, you fooled me twice, you, know, you pull out again, you pull out twice with the contract, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of crazy, you know. The, 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 like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe like somebody's, you know, swayed him, somebody's whispered in his ears, you know, sweet, sweet promises, but I guess we'll, we'll have to find out soon. Um, obviously, the day Chelsea, you know, we will be able to like sign a replacement, yeah. you know, we, we, we have the money, but I it's guess bit... the most annoying thing is the fact that we're going to get the fee for both of them. You know, that's yeah. that's like, yeah. that's that's at minimum sixty million that you that you can get from from but, two centre backs. Do we do we really need the money? Like, what's what's yeah, sixty million? True. What's sixty million really going to do for us? Like, yeah, if we let, let's spitting, let's say we got that money in, like, does that really change our plans? It, mm, it, like, I guess what, six, in terms yeah, of six, sixty million, that, that's that's cooling their money right there, man. Yeah, but is that going to stop us from signing? The, 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 what I'm trying to say is, mm, yeah, it, I get it. It's not going to stop us from doing. Yeah, money, exactly. Yeah. So. For me, just just listen. Have a plan in place. Targets that you want to identify because we're we're on course to lose what four centre backs this summer. Um, Christensen, Rudiger, Aspilicueta, and because Aspilicueta's contract is up at the end of the season as well, and Thiago Silva. So I feel like listen, the club have targets in mind. We've been linked with what Delict, um, Jules Kunde, uh, Sa- is it Sa- Zalai or? So, I can't remember his name, but it's uh, centre backs playing somewhere. Um, the, the Hungarian Don. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think his name is Zalai. Um, yeah, Tiller Salai or something. Yeah, yeah. So just listen, watch these man properly. Uh, don't send who, whoever went to watch Werner. Send send the proper scout um, and, and let's see what these men are really saying because then we can weigh up the the benefits and drawbacks of keeping some of these guys as opposed to buying someone else the accountants will put together the the, the financial impacts as opposed to giving this guy a contract um, um, and um, signing a new player so I want the club to make that decision with all the information in front of them um, and not from a position of oh we really need to keep this guy we need to keep this guy okay Rudiger leaves we, now let's panic by centre back that's that's what I don't want to happen um, yeah that's that's how I feel on that I think that's very well put together, especially the fact that you um you cover that that sixty million, sixty eight million, whatever it is, is not going to stop us, you know, from going out and doing more business, you know. And I guess that's a good way to leave that aspect. So um, the next part I want to go on to um in terms of the, the last aspect was um Tuchel um I don't know if you guys watched the cross conference, but he raised um the alarm over the mentality of the Chelsea side last night, you know, similar to the similar to Antonio Conte. Similar to Mauricio Sarri, similar to Lampard, what about that? You know, they mentioned there's this like group of players that they seem to, you know, when, when, it, when it's going good, you know, they, they, they enjoy it, but they, they seem to like let the standards drop a bit. So is history repeating itself? And were those past past managers right? You know, like, you know, you, you can't have four different managers say that there's a group of players that, that seem to be causing this issue. And when I think about it, there's only one guy that, <laughs> that was there for all four of those managers, you know. <laughs> in terms of that regard, but I'll let you guys go into that. So do you guys think this is history repeating itself mentality was? Wait, 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 which guy is it? Wait, wait, hey, think it, about it, think about it. There's a certain left wing back that was here on the All right. <laughs> Wait. Um, you, I feel like mentality is a very hard thing for me to judge. Um, especially, I don't think we have... The, 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 the type of squad where we have so much quality that it's just a given um, that if the mentality is right, we're going to win. I don't think we're at that level yet, but 
I will say um, in terms of raising the level, um, I do feel like we're very on our day team. It's just it's just the, the, the way we are. Um, sometimes we just turn up and everyone is at it. Um, and then there's times, I remember, the, the was it the... Was it Brighton who we played after the whole Super League thing, where like you saw the nil nil draw? Yeah. You, oh god, yeah. So you the saw the le- yeah you saw the level of performances like when people when we're not at it, as opposed to maybe like against Norwich or Juventus where we're at. It. Um, and watching those swings in in performance, it's easy to say, oh, these guys aren't trying hard enough or or all of that. But I feel like um, human beings don't work like that. Motivation doesn't work like that. Um, if your boss walks into your office and tells you to try harder, it doesn't mean you're going to automatically start doing more work. Um, what, what I do feel is um, competing against teams who can um, turn it on um, and who do bring it every game. Um, maybe like that standard isn't good enough for me. I don't know whether it's a culture thing within the club. Um, people like Giroud have come out and spoken about how we're different from Arsenal because you know, like the, the culture of winning is just completely different here. Like I, I remember he said at Chelsea, like if you don't do your job next year, like uh, this club are going to sign someone to replace you. So um, with all those pressures, like he, I don't know if you can say um, say much about the, the attitude of those players, but um, what I will say is something I've noticed about us is um, it's, and it's something I'm really jealous of when I watch Cities. It's like when when they go one nil up, like that for them is an indication to to step on the gas even more. Like same with Liverpool, like they're just on your throat, relentless. Um, whereas us, I feel like we go one nil up and we're like, oh, oh, that's nice. Uh, let's vibes, let's chill. Um, and we don't really we we struggle to get that second and third and really take advantage of the periods in the game where we're, where we're on top. Um, and whether that's control, whether that's maturity, I think it's a lot. There's a lot more to it than just saying, "Oh, um, there's an issue of attitude." Um, at least that's how I feel. I, f- I feel like um, attitude is such a hard thing to analyze. Um, pundits seem to use it way too much. Well, agreed, right? agreed, yeah. definitely agreed, definitely agreed. I'm gonna was a bit of a trip up question to, to try and catch you out there, but I, I've, I've always said like at the end of the day, my look. I'm not an elite athlete. Like to, to have got to that regard, not even just senior football, but to get to like uh, the the under 18s, under 23s, like that's tough enough. I mean, to get to like the opportunity where you've won titles, you know, you've won domestic, internationally, club level, like there, there, there's there's just so many regards to that aspect. So um, yeah, I guess that that was a very well put together argument there, um, Jerry. And um so, so to end the podcast, I want to talk about um the attack so obviously you know we, we we've covered that extensively but one thing that um dan software says is that um, is, is lonely at the top you know the, the, the striking role the striking role is a very very like thankless role you know like you, you can make loads of runs you know you may not get noticed you know you, you, or you can just be you know um just standing around there and like people are like oh you know the, the, you didn't get any chances and i guess the question is um does playing to Lukaku's strengths take away from our overall play as a team? I know it's a very leading question, but the reason why I ask that is because you look at how we attacked on last season in terms of the counter press, you know, we knew how important that was to Tuchel, you know, having busy attackers, guys that are very, um, very, very um, hands-on, you know, front, front, but in terms of getting the press, getting to the opposition's um, 
faces. Um, and we know Lukaku isn't that kind of guy. Um, so do you guys think and playing to Lukaku's strengths takes away from our overall play in that regards? Or do you think is um you know adjusting to the system that's worth making? We'll cover two tips on that one. Oh, loaded question. Um, I feel like Lukaku's got two modes. The advanced forward that loves to run in behind and trouble people with his movement and his secondary um, striking role, which is a target man. And more often than not, we've been playing to that secondary role as a target man. Um, Prime example of when it worked really well, obviously Arsenal. It's so bad. Pablo Mari's been linked to um, Flamengo on loan in January. Like the guy's just never been right this since. Um, I don't think we've played to the absolute um, strengths of Lukaku um, to what we saw at Inter. A lot of the goals that they scored were on a, were on a counter attack. Serie A is a very defensive league, and um, I don't think we've provided enough chances for him to kind of. Um, put himself into a scoring vein of form. He's been, he's had to be in the beginning of the season very, very efficient. Um, he barely touched the ball against Aston Villa, scored two goals. Um, and obviously, eventually, him outperforming his XG was going to dry up or level out at some point. So, to answer the question, I don't think we've played to his strengths at the moment. But I feel like there's a way to, um, I feel like there's definitely a way to um, get that hold up play from Lukaku because Havertz has done it to an extent and um, provide that, that um, those those balls that he likes to run onto because we've seen Havertz do it. Um, and I don't think it's absolutely beyond Lukaku's um, abilities to do, to do something similar. Definitely fair enough. And Jerry, I'm going to come over to you on that part. Um, if I was, I don't know. I, I feel like when you sign a player for ninety-seven odd mil, um, and the player as you know, introspective and someone who really takes time to study his game, study just the game in general, um, and you put, pair him with a coach, um, as tactically astute as Thomas Tuchel, I, I feel like they should be able to figure out between them <laughs> between themselves, like, um. But I think what, what it is, is Tuchel wants to play a certain way. Um, and he hasn't shown many signs of, of adjusting it. In fact, he, he spoke um, in the earlier part of the season about um, working on things in training, getting, getting the guys to play um, around Lukaku a bit better. And I think the, the couple of games after that, we did actually see like them playing into his feet more, them running off him. They just couldn't execute after they got the ball back. Um, so I think there's been a few instances where, you know, his, his back to goal game has created some chances, but um, I think with Lukaku, what, what I've, we just need some consistency. Maybe, um, I, I don't know. I would have said consistency, but he played what, four or five games after that first, um, that, that scoring start where he was in the team and it just didn't seem like the guys knew how to play with him. Um, so, Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a tactical thing. Maybe it's the personnel thing. Maybe you just need to put him with the right personnel. Um, in terms of changing our whole our whole way of play to to, to suit um, him, I would have said don't spend someone don't spend that much money on someone who you have to do that for. But I mean, he's here, so surely it's beneficial to him. Uh, sorry, sorry, surely it's beneficial to us um, if he's 
if he's firing. That's the whole reason we signed him. So again, um, maybe we maybe we change. But but if I was to ask you, okay, like what are Lukaku's strengths and how can we adjust our play to make the most of those strengths? What what would you say? Because I mean, running in behind, that's just never going to happen in the Premier League. So, and, and run into that much space, unless we literally sit back and counter, that's also just not going to happen. So for me, I just, I, I don't see a way to get that into Lukaku, that into Lukaku, um, into the into the Premier League. And um, I didn't watch him much, so I, I can't I can't say too much, but I will just say in all his highlights that I've seen, it was a lot of space. It was penalties and a lot of space. That's all I was seeing. So, um, how, how do we? How do we, Babs? I'll come back to you. How, how do? How do we do that? It's a, it's a tough one because I, I won't lie about like, and there's a podcast that a lot of listeners would have heard, but um, everybody knew who I, everybody I would everybody knew I wanted is that, but then Freeman, you know, he, he showed me the strengths of Lukaku, and um, I was convinced. So um, for me, I think a lot of it is um, I think he's quite he's quite um good at the link-up play aspect of the game. You know, he, he does quite well with a secondary striker. So I guess that's one strength. Um, I think also um, on the shoulder of defenders. So the moment you've put the ball um, just on the shoulder of defender, there's, there's absolutely, there's not many guys that are going to be able to like get the ball off him or stop him from making that um, that switch off the centre-back to get the ball and get him behind. So I think that those are like two primary strengths. I mean, obviously the finishing, you know. I think, other than that, I think he's, a, he's quite an intelligent player. So I think there's other aspects of his game that he can work for, but I don't know, man. It's, it's a tough one because similar to you, I didn't watch much about Inter, but I was quite convinced by like what I've what I've heard in terms of like um, him, you know, improving his game. So I guess a lot of what I'm saying is um ideal ball, you know, is what is what I'm hoping for. So like, I guess it's a tough one um, for, for me personally. But let me just let me just know, like, I feel like gone. Let me just hit you with a follow up question, right? So you've uh, I've just noted down that the three things you said are strengths. Yeah, secondary striker on the shoulder and finishing. Right now. If you were to um, adjust our way of play, um, do we have the players in our squad to do that? Do we have the? Can can we do that in the current our current tactical setup? I feel like on the shoulder, yeah, we've seen enough evidence to see that. Yeah. Um, if we can get Kovacic back in form, if we can get Ziyech from one in ten to maybe one in five, um, <laughs> maybe maybe that could be an option. But secondary striker, do we have that profile? Do we have anyone he could play with? And um... finishing, do we have a creator that can get him? Um, those snapshots, I don't know. You know what? I, I think now that you said that, I think it's a possibility in the three-five-two. If you, but you'd have to have a ten, really, and I'm not sure if ZS can offer that consistently. And then again, if you do have a ten, it, it limits us because you, you'd obviously want Mount play, but then there's no personally. Oh, well, there is exactly the wing backs. But exactly, there, there is no like width in no... terms of, like the, the wingers, and with the injuries with the wing backs, it's not exactly the best of width. So like. Is a tough one. I, I guess you, you could go with like a Havertz, but then again, they both at the right the right channel. You, you know, know, I will. Do you know what I will say? Gone. I'm glad finding this solution is not my job. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I mean, on, on on the on the topic of um up top, um one of our listeners from the Discord, I'm sure Discord. Um, if you guys haven't already signed up, make sure you do because. There's a lot of discussions going on every single day regarding football for like all the top clubs, you know, around Europe, UCL, internationally. So like you would enjoy it. But Rick wants to know, can Kai flourish in any position up top or is it solely false nine? If it is so, if it is false nine, 
do you need two um, goal-scoring wings to accommodate that? Um, Tim, so I'm going to come over to you on that one. Sorry, repeat that again for me, Babs, please. So um, the question was, can Kai flourish in any position up top or is it solely um, false nine? And if it is false nine, do you need two um, other goal scorers to accommodate that? Um, I think he can. Um, there was two positions that I would like to see Kai with, uh, Kai playing, to be honest. One would be one of those two tens behind Lukaku because I feel like where there's no space and Lukaku's being kind of targeted as a danger man, maybe you let Kai um, temporarily drop into that position and occupy two centre-backs and let Lukaku receive it from deep. So he's got some uh, semblance of space to run into or kind of get a dribble on um, at defenders. Um, and I think that could interchangeably work. So we're playing with the two tens and the, and the centre-forward, but um, with hopefully, ideally, Kai and Lukaku could potentially um, form a partnership within that that allows them to kind of pick and choose when their moments when maybe Lukaku drifts out wide, Kai occupies the centre, the central areas, and it allows um, Lukaku to drift, uh, to cut inside and just add a layer of confusion and complexity to our attack. Um, so I think Kai can thrive in that position. But obviously, another position in a 4-3-3, I'd love to see him as an 8. Um, I've got questions around his midfield, midfield discipline because I've not seen it thus yet, thus far, but I would like to see him kind of in a deeper role with space to run in behind, um, maybe making late man runs into midfield, playing as a true number eight, but that's probably one for the far distant future if we ever deviate away from the 4-3-3. So to answer the um, the question, I think it is possible for him to do it because he was, he's, more than a, he's more than a false nine. Mm, definitely. Jeremy, I'm coming to you on that part. Uh, sorry. Uh, sorry, could you repeat the question? Yeah, of course, of course. So um, one of our listeners wants to know, um, can Kai flourish in any position or is it solely false nine? And if so, would you need two other goal scorers for that to work? Hmm. I think that he can flourish in 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 any position in the front three, but I feel like it just depends on who he's paired with. So I would agree with the the, the two goal scorers thing. Maybe not two, but he, he definitely is one other um, certified goal scorer because um, I feel like he he does well with the sort of intangibles in and around like um, a goal. So like the pass before the the key pass or like. Um, I remember against Arsenal, he did really well to get the ball out of a tight area um, into, I think it was either Alonso, um, who then played it across to Lukaku, who then played it across to Reese James, um, something like that. But um, but in terms of like direct, like actual like interventions that lead to a goal, um, I don't think he has the, the volume to, to play up front um, or to play in one of his positions without a structure or like, um, a complementing attacker. So I would agree um, that he needs he needs someone with him, um, but he he can definitely flourish in those roles. It's just in 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 the right conditions, um, and therein lies the problem with a lot of our attackers. Yeah, perhaps.
Oh, sorry. My, my mic was on mute. I was even talking away there. I was thinking about <laughs> saying, um, yeah, um, firstly, I, I did want to see um, the Kaya Topham experiment, you know, get a full season, you know, with, with another um, goal score that can, oh, that can chip bro, in the come creativity. Come on, come on. Come hey, I'm not going to lie, man. That's, you know I'm what, wondering, you man, know but... What, you know what, you know hey, what? This guy's it, not, too late, he's not He's not a baby, man. He's not a baby. He doesn't need the whole season. Come on. We don't yeah, really no, no, no. I, I don't mean, I'm, as in, like, with him up top, it's for it. me... Seventy mil, seventy million, hey, seventy million, you. great British pound, not mm. British pound, great British pound. But yeah, I'm sorry, I need a bit more from you. Mm. I know he's only what twenty two, but um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I agree, but my, my thing is that like my, my thing is just more so like I wanted a season of that. If you get what I mean, like, I just want to see like a season of him playing there because obviously we, we got like a, a small sample size. Mm. At the end of last season, like I, I want to see that in terms of that experiment because it, it seemed as though something that Tuchel was working on, and he kind of like pushed it aside. If you get what I, I mean, I do, I do agree. So, if you'd asked me in the summer, carry on the Kai experiment uh, or sign Lukaku, I would say just carry on with Kai and get a goal scoring winger. Like, uh, it, it has been said on this podcast yeah. before. Um, I think that's probably what we should have done because it. it it was it was showing signs of of, of fruition. Um, yeah, it just needed that one more piece that to, to because there were times last season where he was he was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, you just need someone to share the load, really. Exactly, exactly, and that that was like more so my point. Not not that I think he needs time. It was mostly just like the time to play the position to be here. I mean, but but um, yeah. Um, so to end the show, I'm gonna I've got one more last um, listener's question. Um, from Joe Sorry, Shire. Babs. Let me ask you just one question. Um, I want to ask both of you your thoughts on it. So I put it in the in the, in the group chat already. But um, Juventus versus Chelsea women in the Champions League, um, pretty much an uneventful affair, apart from a pitch invader walking onto the pitch, yeah. um, kind of trying okay. to take uh, selfies with another player, um, and then Sam Kerr basically um, shoulder barges him onto the floor right. and receives a yellow card for it. Now, I've seen kind of like the social media reaction. If you go and search Sam Kerr's name, it will most definitely come up. Um, and I've seen I've seen the reaction to it. Oh, she's a hero. She doesn't deserve a yellow, this and that. In my opinion, I'm the complete opposite. If someone, run, if someone from the crowd runs onto the pits, that's not your business. Your immediate concern should be keeping a safe distance for your safety and your teammates' safety. Um, she literally lined him up like Bill Goldberg setting up for the spear. She waited, she, she, she changed her stride, her, her pace of stride when he was walking and waited until he looked in the opposite direction when he, um, when he was on his phone to then like accelerate and go into a jog and, and, and barge him over. If he got up and punched her in the face, whatever prosecution uh, whatever criminal charges you face afterwards, the defense has a case. The person felt threatened because Sam Kerr. Should I tell, you why, should I tell the, you why they don't? Uh, should I tell you why? why they don't? Because he's pitch invading, bro. Off the bat, yeah, he's, he's pitch invader. Little... That's his business. That like he's a pitch invader. Yeah. That's happened. Um, but she has no business running up to the guy, shoulder barging him. It's not a concern. Nobody's going to say, why didn't you do something? He clearly, from a body language perspective, he clearly wasn't a visible threat to her. She's proactively sought him in measuring up his measuring, measuring up her walk to his and then gone into him. If he then gets up and punches her in the face or does whatever, 
in my opinion, she's brought that upon herself by drawing unnecessary attention to him. Uh, to herself. I just, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, bro. I Go disagree. Oh, 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 t- tell me why. Uh, first of all, have you seen the way these stewards tackle the, the pitch invaders? If if we're gonna talk about uh, being anyone being a danger to anyone, it's it's, it's the way these men get tackled um, to the floor. Uh, number two, um, this is the kind of case that you'd win in America, yeah, um, in their kind of litigious society, but not not here, bro. Like our courts don't work like that, man. Um, I'm gonna disagree because. Um... If, if if he gets speared or he gets taken down, I've seen some um, vicious tackles from stewards. That's their job. Steph Kerr's job is to, uh, Franca, uh, Sam Kerr's job is to play football. Like mm. she had no business getting involved in that. And she put herself at risk by getting involved. She should have okay. just stood still, okay. kept a self-safe distance. I will say if if I was if if I put my club hat on, unless I was working for Chelsea, I would say to her, listen, that like your role model, um, you need to act, um, you're, you're in work. This guy's not, he, he's, he's just a, a, a bystander. Uh, he's come to enjoy the game. Um, and you're currently in contracted activities representing Chelsea. So in that, in that sense, um, obviously I would say that's probably the wrong way to go about in, t- in situations like that, you need to focus on de-escalation rather than, you know, I, I get where you're coming from with, she could have put the other players at risk if he reacted. Um, you don't know what, what he's carrying on him, that kind of thing. But um, in real life terms, let's let's step outside the corporate world and let's talk about real life terms. Um, I don't see any problem with it. More, more power to her, in fact. She's a baller I as could- well. Absolutely. I just can't. I, I can't see. I can't see how what she's done. How she's done anything right. The thing is, I, I don't know. I don't know why. No I don't, business doing it. Yeah, and, I don't know why she's done it. I think she's just got uh, frustrated because like the game's been stopped and she's watching him like walk around taking selfies. Um, so she's taking matters into her own hands. I think that's more. It's more like a in, like um, impulsive thing than than anything planned out. Um, and yeah, it's it's the same way. You can't explain why someone gets a dumb red card or anything like that. I think it's just an impulsive thing that she's done. Because she, you can tell she's looking at him. Yeah. She's looking at him at him, thinking, oh, this dickhead, this dickhead, this dickhead. And it's just a rush of emotion and she's done that. Um, I don't I don't, I don't, don't think it says anything about a character or anything like that. For me, it's just it's just one of those things in football, isn't it? Um, you're, you're in that mindset where you're on the pitch where you can, you can that kind of thing isn't illegal. You can, you can do that kind of thing. So I think it's just that she's she's just misjudged it a little bit but listen if you ask me um the the where, where were the stewards that's that's what i want to know yeah you know, the, the, it's the failing of the it's so it's the you need to look at the failing of the stewards first and foremost um as they will rightly review but at the same time there's a reason why she got a yellow card because it's unsportsmanlike conduct and it's dangerous play um to herself more than anything because obviously he's a pitch invader he has no right to be there he'll be given a lifetime ban whatever legal action happens like that's set in stone the minute he runs onto the pitch now you exacerbate the situation by um bumping into him um, say she twists her ankle when she when she when she goes into him, or he firms up and kind of bodies her, and she lands awkwardly. She's now looked stupid for doing for, for what um, a rush of blood to the head because she's not winning against Juventus. Um, Do we know if he said anything? We don't know if he said anything, but at the same time, 
um, there's no justif- there's no verbal justification to run over, especially when the guy's clearly not, he, he, she's not on his radar in terms of um, he's looking in a completely different direction. That's when she goes, all right, now's my chance. So to me, even if we take it out from um, the sporting conduct and role model perspective, that's a cheap shot. Yeah. I'm not looking and you barge into me when I'm not looking. That's a cheap shot. Yeah. I'm going to get you back yeah. kind of thing. So um, if we're looking at it from a street perspective, she put herself at risk by taking it to the streets and hitting a guy with a street, a guy, she ha- an individual she has no, no knowledge of and hitting him with a street shot, cheap shot. Can I, can I ask you something quickly before Go for Max it. goes? Do you remember the, the hazard incident with the Swansea ball boy? The, the, the red yeah, I recall. Yeah, yeah, I recall. Um, yeah. would, would, would you think it's the same thing there? No, because the person has, um, the, the steward has a right to be there. Um, what they're doing is, is delaying of tactics. They're um, delaying of tactics deliberately. Um, and that's for the official, uh, that's for the officials to speed him up. Um, Hazard was wrong because it was unsporting to put his hands on a player, to put his hands on a, on a member of staff, the ball boy, even if he was wasting time, as um, many, ball, many ball boys have done. Um, it's just this situation that um, this ball boy is far less likely to get up and try and um, put physical harm towards Hazard or put him in danger um, because he's a paid staff member in comparison to someone, uh, a general member of the public that we know nothing about. So what informs what informs the right the right decision the the element of risk or just the the, the right conduct because it sounds like it sounds like the the issue your issue isn't with <clears throat> what the right thing is to do it's with the element of risk associated with with her reaction. It's actually both because um, don't put hands on anyone like don't touch don't no like obviously she didn't she barged him but in the same sense, like you don't need to um, physically enter, you, you don't need to physically impact someone else. So first of all, you don't need to do that. Secondly, it's, you definitely don't need to do that because it's not your job. It's not in your job, job description. Um, you, you, you keep a safe distance. Um, you advise your teammates to do the same and you let the correct authorities do that because that sets a, because who knows, like if someone pitch invades again, does that encourage more players to put hands on um, stewards? Um, does that encourage, um, does, does that kind of put anyone who uh, invades a pitch again to be more aware and be ready to throw hands if someone, um, if, if a player gets too close to them whilst they're invading a the pitch? It just sets a negative tone all round in terms of being a role model and um, putting yourself at risk because that's a asset from a club's perspective. And if she was to get injured doing that act, or as a result of knocking that player down and he get, and that person down and they get up and do something, it's just bad all round. There's no good that comes of it, even yeah. when everyone's like, "Yeah, she get he gets still gets a yellow card, which is a fine for their, which is obviously a fine for their trouble for her trouble." Do you, do you remember when they uh, when Neymar got injured because that guy ran at him? I think he slipped and like took out Neymar, and he was out for like next was it two games or something like that? Um, yeah, and that person invaded Neymar's personal space and obviously could have was was at quite a distance away. Clearly, Sam the aggressor almost to be classed as the aggressor in this situation. Yeah, you know what, you know what, you've you've turned me around. Babs, you want to weigh in? Babs, you want to weigh in on this? Personally, personally, 
I don't think it's that deep. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have much of an opinion. I, I, I do agree it was, it was a silly thing to do. Like, there was no reason to, like, to, like, touch the guy or get involved because it, it does, like, go into that do a, a bit more. But I don't think it's done now, I guess, isn't it? If, if you get what I mean. Like, I don't Let me ask you guys deep. something as well. Let me ask you guys something. If you're the pitch invader, Mm. You're minding, like, you're doing whatever. You've pulled your phone out. You've gotten a selfie with the player. Now you're looking in a different direction about as, as you're jogging away from um, as you're jogging away from security and someone barges you out the blue. What's your initial reaction? You'd think a steward has got you. Mm. I'd be barged. If I look up and a steward's got me, they've got me. But a player, I look up and it's a player. I'm thinking, what are you doing? This has got nothing to do with you. I'm invading the pitch, but it's not your job to apprehend me. It's the it's, it's yeah. the pitch invaded. Like, I mean, if if I got barred, I would understand in it because yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm in the wrong in it. Yeah, because I'm in the wrong. Like, but oh um, yeah, you're in the, the wrong. That, is that the guy that ran the pitch the walk, at the end of the Watford game to get the selfie? And Mount is like, if if Mount pushes him away and like his phone breaks even more, then it's like, and then you you were in the wrong. You shouldn't be on the pitch, and yeah, like. It is on you at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If it, my mentality is I'm in the wrong 100%, I'm in the wrong. But if some random person tries to, well, not even a random person, but someone that um, shouldn't be putting hands on me, puts hands on me, I'm going to be like, what are you doing? Mm. Like, that would be no, my no, initial reaction. No, no one wins from that situation. Yeah, no one wins. In there, yeah. No one wins. I, so I guess she's taking a, an yeah. unnecessary L. So she's taking an un- unnecessary L because she's taking a yellow card for no reason. And that could have put, obviously, the team in jeopardy if she gets a yellow for something else. And I just didn't like the way she stalked the guy because he, he wasn't looking like he was going to interact with any of the players as he jogged off the field. She literally sought him out to do that. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was still in the centre. I've just watched the video. He was still in the centre of the like, pitch. He was just like, he was like, just kind of, he had his phone out and he was like, taking like a selfie like um but yeah um so he's still doing his nonsense but he's like you it's clear that none of the players were seemed at risk from him being there and the authorities were obviously already on the pitch given how quickly they got to him once he was barged over right yeah so why not just take it why not just keep standing Uh, still don't get me wrong don't get me wrong I, i agree with you i agree with you yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Let's just wrap up. Yeah. True. Yeah. I, I guess that's a, that's the perfect way to to end the show. I guess you know in, in a different fashion. But um. Yeah. Um. Jerry, thanks for joining. Yeah. No problem, bro. Anytime. Timson, Thank thanks for me. joining. Always a pleasure, bro. Thank you. All right. And peace. Peace. He did it! The greatest night in the history of Chelsea Football Club. Say that money is power, so when you get money, keep quiet and ghost, ghost.
I remember when I shot my shot, but I didn't have cops, so I hit the post. But next time it's a golden goal. And it Sports Social Podcast Network.